0: Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of us, probably more than once, have received a gift. Maybe some of you children have recently had a birthday and, and you received gifts. But if I were to ask you children, what is the greatest gift of all? What would you say? Well, the Bible tells us that the greatest gift of all is God's gift, the Father's gift of His Son. God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the greatest gift you could ever receive. But He Himself, it's not just that He is a gift, but He also gives gifts. And we we saw that in our our passage that we read earlier, that he was giving a gift. And, and who was he giving a gift to, children? Was, was he giving a gift to, to adults, to grown-ups, to, to parents, to grandpas and grandmas only? Well, you can say, yeah, he was giving a gift to them too. But he was giving a gift, especially to these children. He was giving a gift, the gift of his blessing. And so the theme for this message as we consider this text with God's help is Jesus' great blessing for little children. And we want to see first its great worth, second its great encouragement, and third its great security. So in the first place, let's see the great worth of Jesus' blessing for little children. The beginning of Matthew 19, as we read, tells us that the Lord Jesus had moved from from Galilee to Judea. He was on his way to Jerusalem. In Matthew 17, if you look back a couple of chapters, you'll you see that he knows that when he ends up in Jerusalem, he's going to be killed. So he's, he's traveling on that way. And, you know, you think if somebody knows he's going to be killed, he, he, he wouldn't be busy helping other people. He'd be busy maybe preparing himself but but here in Judea, as he 's going on his way, Jesus is very busy he 's busy ministering he 's busy healing he's busy yeah he 's busy answering the, the Pharisees trick questions about divorce and marriage, and he 's busy too he 's busy answering the disciples struggle with, with how hard marriage is, that his, Jesus' high standards for marriage. But then, in the midst of all this busyness that Jesus is busy with some people come to Jesus and they want something else we read in verse 13 of Matthew 19 that then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray these children did not come running up to Jesus on their own no they were they were little they were they were brought perhaps probably by their parents or maybe by older siblings we don't doesn't the text doesn't say Luke's account tells us that at least some of these little children, if not all of them, were actually babies, infants. and So they were needy. They, were, they, were, they couldn't do much for themselves, and certainly they couldn't do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, these, these little children were brought, they were carried, they were presented to him. Why? Why were these little children brought to Jesus? Verse 13 says that those who brought these little children wanted Jesus to put or to lay his hands on them and pray. And you might ask, well, what does that mean? No doubt they had seen Jesus lay his hands on sick people before, or they had heard of it, how Jesus laid his hands on sick people and he healed them. But were these children sick? No. Were they possessed by demons? No. As far as we know, the text doesn't say anything about their sickness or being possessed by demons. They were healthy little children. But but then why, why did they need to be brought to Jesus? Why did the parents, the siblings, want to bring them to Jesus to lay His hands on them and to pray? Because He could give them a blessing. In those days, you see, the Jewish elders and rabbis, they blessed Jewish children by laying their hands on them, And praying for them. And this blessing, this this prayer wasn't simply a wish for a happy or an easy life. It was a prayer that God would give them a blessing of great worth. What do I mean? Well, the background, the Old Testament background to this is, is found in Genesis 48, verses 15 and 16. You can look that up later for yourself if you want. But I'm just going to read those verses In those verses, Jacob lays his hands on his two grandchildren, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he he says to them, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And then you read a few verses later in verse 20 that it says again, He blessed them that day, saying, In thee Israel will bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. This is the background to, to the, the rabbis and the elders blessing the little children in Jesus' day. And this was the blessing which the parents wanted for their little children. Do you see, do you you recognize anything in that blessing? It's the blessing of the covenant of grace. The blessing of the inclusion of their little children in Israel's family with all the gracious promises of God for his people, personally given to each of those children. The promises of God's constant, almighty, fatherly care. The promises of His his redeeming, His delivering them from all evil, of His preserving and multiplying them through all the generations. It was a blessing of great worth because it was a blessing of the covenant of grace and also because it was a blessing ordained by God. You might ask, well, did they really have a right to to seek that blessing? Do we we have a right to seek that blessing, to to come and, and seek that blessing in baptism? to seek that blessing to be signed and sealed to our children. Yes. Because it was a blessing ordained by God. In Genesis 17, verse 7, we we quoted it in the form. God said to Abraham, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. That's what also makes this blessing of so great worth. Because not only is it the blessing of the covenant of grace, it's a blessing that God has ordained for believers and their children. It's a blessing of great worth also because it's such a needed blessing, so desperately needed. You see, the children that were brought to Jesus and the children that were brought to the baptism font this morning, and all of our children, yes, and all of us, we're sinners by nature. Apart from grace, we 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 are born under the wrath and the curse of God. At the very moment of conception, there is a rift between us and God. And and so, how can how can that be overcome? Well, it can't be overcome by anything in us. No, it's overcome by God coming to us and saying, I will be your God. Coming to us in grace. Do we understand this, congregation? Do we understand that that we have a sinful heart? Children, do you understand that you have a sinful heart too? A heart that that doesn't love God by nature or others as yourself. That you need forgiveness of your sins. That you need God to be your father. Do do you understand that, that you need the Lord to save you and to keep you? All these things that we need is promised in this blessing, the blessing that comes from the hands of the Lord Jesus to these children, and the blessing that comes on our children in baptism. It's a blessing we so desperately need. But you know what makes this blessing, in our text, that the children, that the parents sought for their children, so worth any more than any other blessing. It's that they took their children to the right person. They took their children to Jesus. And as Matthew makes very clear in his gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is he? He is the promised seed of Abraham, the son of Abraham, in whom all the nations and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, why? To bless all all nations, the Jews first, but also to the Gentiles, Gentiles like you and me. God sent Jesus, Acts 3, verse 26, says, as Peter preaches, to the Jews to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities and from your sins. Some of these children that the parents had brought had probably perhaps been blessed by other Jewish elders and rabbis, but no one could bless them like Jesus. You see, when, when Jesus did things, something happened. When he laid his hands on someone, when he spoke, diseases disappeared, demons were cast out. His touch and his prayers carry a power and authority that no, the hands of no other and the words of no other can carry. Because he is a savior. Because he is a mediator. The only mediator between God and men. Matthew Henry puts it this way, when we pray for our children, we can only beg a blessing for them. But when Jesus prays for them, he can command the blessing. That's what makes this blessing in our text a blessing of so great worth. Do we believe that? Many of us here are fathers and mothers. Maybe your children are little still. Maybe they are older. Some of you have nephews and nieces, even grandchildren. Some of you, older siblings, have little brothers and, and sisters. What do we want most for our children? What is worth everything for our children? Is it this great this great blessing that Jesus would lay his hands on them and pray and bless them Is that what we desire most for our children? You know, we take our children to all kinds of places, don't we? We take them to sports events. We take them to job interviews. Eventually, hopefully, we take them to the the licensing office to get their driver's license. We take them to all kinds of places. But when is the last time you brought your children to Jesus so that He might bless them? Well, in light of how, how, much, how great the worth of his blessing is, should we not be always taking them again and again to Jesus? But maybe you ask, well, how, how can I do that? I, I mean, Jesus isn't here anymore. We can't take them physically to Jesus and have them lay his hands on, on them and, and, and bless them. Well, what does that look like? What does it look like to take my children, to bring my children to Jesus? Well, it starts, it starts with coming to him yourself once and again and again these children weren't sent to jesus they were brought and there's a lesson in that for us you see to bring your children to jesus you need to come to him yourself in repentance and faith and that means as the lord said in in matthew 18 becoming like a little child what does it mean to, to, be, to come as a little child, to become as a little child? Well, it means in the first place, of course, that we need to be born again. But, we, but it, it means that we, we, we need also to, to come to Him then, not looking to anything in ourselves, not pleading anything in ourselves, but simply pleading Him and His grace. It means confessing that just as our children are weak, and small, and unable, so we are weak and unable. It means confessing that as our children are sinful, yes, we are sinful. It means confessing that just as our our children are unable to do anything for the Lord, to, to, to please God in themselves, so we are unable to do anything, utterly unable to do anything to please God of ourselves. It means to become utterly dependent on His grace. Becoming like a little child means humbly coming to Jesus, trusting him to receive you simply because of who he is and what he has done. That's how bringing your children to Jesus starts. You may know the song, Jesus Loves Me. And in that song, the the first verse of that song goes, little children to him belong They are weak, but he is strong. I once knew a man who who would sing this song to his children, but he would change one little word. Instead of they are weak, but he is strong, he would sing it this way. We are weak, but he is strong. Do you hear the message in that for those children of that man? It's saying, he, he, he was saying by that to his children, I need Jesus too. I am weak too. and I, I'm, Let's go together, dear children. Let's go together to Jesus for forgiveness, for cleansing, for strength, for renewal, for all that we need, for his eternal care. And my point is, we don't need all to sing that song that way, of course, but, but just to see what he was doing as, as, as an illustration of, of bringing our children to Jesus. There are many ways, of course, we can bring them to Jesus. One important way is the way that we saw this morning to bring them to Him in baptism where that blessing, His blessing is signed and sealed. All the promises of God are signed and sealed to our children. How important that is. But then also to pray for them. To plead with the Lord on the basis of those promises that have been been signed and sealed to them, to plead with the Lord to bless your child as he has blessed you. To ask the Lord to save them, to to be much on your knees, pleading with the Lord, protect them from evil, deliver them from their own evil hearts. And then as they they begin to grow older too, then you also instruct them. And, and you remind them of their baptism, you remind them of what it, what it teaches, that they are sinful and sinners and they need Jesus, and you remind them that Jesus is so willing to be their Savior, The the triune God is so willing to be their Savior God. It means to read the Bible with them to instruct them in the truths of God's Word, to talk with them about their sins and their sinfulness, to teach them about the Savior from sin, to, to prepare them to look ahead and, and prepare them for the temptations that, that they will face in this world. It means to talk with them, to, to show an interest in them, to spend time with them, seeking to win their hearts, being open with them about their souls and about God's work in your own life, to encourage them to, keep, to go to Him too. It means to listen to them, to be patient with them. And yes, also to humbly ask their forgiveness when you have sinned against them. Bring them to Jesus and show them that his blessing is a blessing of so much worth. But perhaps maybe someone here, maybe Younger ones, children, or maybe even older ones. You wonder, does the Lord really want me? Well, we come now to our second point, the great encouragement of Jesus' blessing for little children. You know, sometimes children, I'm sure you've experienced it. I'm sure it's been experienced in my own home that sometimes it seems like we adults are a bit too busy all the time. We're too busy for our children. And you might think that 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 someone as busy as the Lord Jesus here. I mean, not only is he is he is he busy doing all these things, but he's got the the his own his own death, his own coming death on his mind. You would think he would have no time for children. And and, and perhaps some of the children in our in, in this passage wondered that very thing. Does Jesus want me? Not not only because of his how busy he was but also because at the end of verse 13 we read, the disciples rebuked them. Can you see it? Here come these parents or these older siblings with, with little children in their arms, bringing them to Jesus, hopeful looks on their faces, but all of a sudden 12 disciples stand in their way. They bar the way to Jesus. These were Jesus' closest followers, congregation. If anyone should be most like him, it, it should be them. But what do they do? They rebuke them. And that word for rebuke is a, is a strong word. It wasn't a postponement. It wasn't, it wasn't just gently saying to the parents, I'm sorry, but Jesus doesn't have time for you right now. Maybe try tomorrow. It wasn't like when we try to find a doctor here in Alberta and, you, and, you, and you're told, I'm sorry, the, the doctor is not taking any patients right now. I'll put you on a wait list. No, it wasn't like that at all. The disciples made it unmistakably clear to, their, to, to the parents and to their children that Jesus wasn't interested in blessing their little children. Jesus says it this way himself. They forbid the children to come. They prevent them from coming to Jesus. It's like, it's like they, were, they were coming to Jesus and they could see him there and all of a sudden the door to Jesus slams shut in their face. Oh, how discouraging. That must have been. But the encouraging thing is that the text makes very clear how unChrist-like it is. Already we saw that in Matthew 18 when, when Jesus took a child and he set them in their midst and he said in verse 5, Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receives me. Our Lord had and already made clear his interest in little children. But, but now he assures them, these people who, have, who just experienced the door slamming shut in their face, he assures them, I am interested in your little children. I am concerned and, 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 and want to have your little children. Because he says in verse 14, Jesus says, Suffer or let allow little children and forbid them not to come unto me. The disciples were busy rebuking the people, perhaps putting out their hands to stop them. And Jesus, as it were, with the force of a double command, makes clear, no, get your hands off, dear disciples. Let go of them. Let these children come. Do you see Jesus' tender heart for little children? Children, do you see Jesus' tender heart For you. Jesus wants you to come to him. He wants to bless you. He doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. Let them come to me. Suffer them to come to me. Do not forbid them. And with that word, congregation, Jesus makes so very clear that he is interested and he loves our little children. Not one who is brought to him will be turned away. Perhaps you are here as a little child, or an older child, or even an adult, and you need such reassurance. Maybe you've been turned away from Christ. Maybe other people have rebuked you, but it could also be that even your own thoughts, or, or, or Satan in his assault on you has come to you with accusations, and he said, you're not welcome. You can't come. Jesus doesn't want you. Maybe you think I've sinned too much or too long. I've done the same bad thing over and over again. Children, that can be such a hard thing, can't it? Your parent, one of your parents, or both your parents, try to instruct you and address a certain issue in your life, and you and, and you and you find you just keep doing it over and over again. You get so frustrated, and I can't come to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want me. I can't do anything for Jesus. I I, I try to change and I I try harder, but I just can't. I have nothing to give him. Nothing, nothing to, to do for him. Jesus would never want to bless someone like me. You've been hearing all these rebukes. But now listen to the words of our text. Suffer, little children, to come to me and forbid them not. Jesus assures us of his interest in you, dear little children, and also you who come, become as little children by grace, pleading nothing, having nothing to claim. And he also assures us, he assures these little children of their interest, of their interest in the kingdom of heaven. That's how he he goes on to say, he says, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is simply God's rule on earth through Jesus Christ, a rule that that he he instituted by grace to build his church, to call sinners from every tribe and tongue and nation. And he says, these little children have an interest in that kingdom. It belongs to them. They have the promises of salvation and heaven, and therefore they must be allowed to come to Jesus, the king of heaven, the one who has ushered in the kingdom of heaven. It only makes sense. If, if of such is the kingdom of heaven, then who are we? To, who are the disciples to keep them from the king of heaven? No, we must bring them because they belong to the kingdom and therefore they also belong to the king. They have a right, even though they are sinners, yes, even though they are subject to all miseries and even of, of condemnation itself in and of themselves, they have a right to his covenant blessings. They have a right to Jesus, a right given them, not because of anything in themselves, but by grace, alone. Just think of what an encouragement those words must have been to those parents. For of such, as they looked at their children, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. What an encouragement this is to to all of our little children, for us as parents, for our little children, to bring them to Christ. And what an encouragement it is as we come to Him as little children, trusting in Him alone for everything, that He will not turn us away. Because he has made promises, and he will keep his promises. What a comfort and an encouragement this is to bring our children to Jesus. We need to make clear, of course, that his blessing is not an automatic guarantee of our salvation. We must be clear about that. But it's a blessing that includes all these promises, and where he comes so close, as it were, as he did in our text to these children— And he says, I will be their God. I will be everything they need. What an encouragement that is. That we raise our children in the fear of the Lord, that they can look to him, that they have this promise, that they can plead upon this promise. What an encouragement this is also to those who may be here this morning and who have lost little children. Little children, their little children have died. You can see with me, can't you, from this text why the authors of our Canons of Dort could say on the basis of Scripture, in Head 1, Article 17, godly parents have no reason to doubt of the election and salvation of their children whom it pleases God to call out of this life in their infancy. God, the Lord, is willing to, Our text shows us he is willing and able to bless also our little children. And verse 15 confirms this. We read there, and he laid his hands on them. That's really the climax of this this text. Here is the Savior. Matthew is wanting wanting us to see by the Holy Spirit... Is wanting us to see the Savior on full display here, the son of Abraham, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises, the, 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 of the long-promised Messiah to bless the one who would come to bless all nations and all families of the earth. He defends the little children. He takes them up in his arms, Mark tells us in his gospel, and he lays his hands on them and pronounces the blessing, the promise of God's care and of God's salvation. Dear congregation, dear children, and dear young people, have you come to this Jesus? You've been brought to him when you were little, but have you come to him and responded to this blessing by, by believing in him, by trusting in him, by taking hold and pleading of those promises? It's a blessing of so great worth, and it's a blessing that so encourages you to come with your heart, no matter how bad it is. Because he promises, one of his promises is, he will put a new heart within his people. He welcomes all who comes to him humbly as little children. He says, come and welcome, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. But perhaps you wonder still how sure, how secure is this blessing. Well, we come now to our third and last point, the great security of Jesus' blessing. And it comes maybe from perhaps a bit of a surprising and unexpected phrase. Look at verse 15 again. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. The security of Jesus' blessing for your little children and for all of our little children. Also for all of us. The security of Jesus' blessing is his departure. Now we might be tempted to think that's kind of strange. What, what, what good is... Is it that Jesus blessed the little children and then left them? And at times in our lives, we can feel that way too, can't we? It feels like the Lord is gone. The Lord has left us. But, but why did Jesus depart? Why did he leave? Where, Children, where was he going? Well, we mentioned it at the beginning. He was going to the cross. It was there that he would secure this blessing. These sinful little children, the Lord knew, could, not, could receive God's blessing only, only by Jesus receiving God's curse on the cross. The cross of Christ was the way of blessing for them, and it is the way of blessing for all of us, from the littlest child here to the oldest one among us. The blessing would flow through the hands of Jesus to the children was secured, you see, and the blood which flowed out of those same hands as they were outstretched on the cross. Because God's justice must be satisfied if the curse that we and our children are under is to be replaced with blessing. That's why Jesus departed. Without his departure, without his death, you see, there would be no blessing. But because he did depart, and because he did die, because he did give up his life, the blessing he gives to little children also. The promise of life and of salvation and of his eternal care is secure in him. It's secured by his departure not only to the cross, but his departure after he died from the tomb and his departure 40 days later when he went into heaven. Sometimes we can think it would be better if the Lord was still here on earth. Why, why couldn't he have stayed here after he rose from the dead? Well, we could maybe give many answers to that. But you know what? Christ's departure into heaven is what makes us able. It's what makes you able and our children able to respond to his blessing. Because he went to heaven, you see, not for himself. But for his church, so that he could pour out his spirit on the earth, on the dry ground of our hearts, so that the gospel would come, would be preached, and it wouldn't be preached as a dead letter, but it would be preached in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that it would call sinners to himself. It is his departure also into heaven that makes his blessing so secure. What a comfort! That is to you here, who have children, also older children, who have left the faith, who seem to have to seem to care nothing, nothing for the blessing they received. They want at once, at one time, and you can be wondering if you if you are struggling with this. What good did it do? What good did it do to come here to the baptism? My dear friend, Jesus understands your sorrow and your grief. He too said of Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you would not. But he not only understands, he can also yet make these children, as long as they still are alive in this earth, he can make these children willing to come to him by his spirit. Because that's why he departed into heaven. That's why you have been enabled to come to him. Because he has given you his spirit and drawn you to himself. So don't give up. No, but keep pleading the promises he himself gave them and he himself gave to you. Oh, let us be a praying congregation for our children, our children who are here with us still. And those children who have gone out these doors and have never entered the doors of a church again or at least have lost all interest. In Jesus Christ, Christ's blessing is secure because of his departure. Well, dear children, it is a great gift to be brought to Jesus. And it's an even a greater gift to be blessed by him. Because in that blessing, he promises to give you himself, which is the greatest gift of all. Yes, he knows everything about you. He knows about your sinful heart. And yet he promises himself to you. He has done that. He has signed and sealed it. Don't despise. Let no one despise this great blessing. Don't ignore the one who shed his blood to give it to you. Don't try. Don't try to get out from under those hands. Because that's not the way of blessing. The way of blessing, congregation, is to come into this Jesus, to live close to Him, to rest in His arms, and yes, yes, to take hold of those hands, that hand of blessing, to close with Christ, as the Puritans used to call it. That's the way of blessing. And the promise is that He will not turn away anyone who is so Comes to him. So come, come as a little child, and let the little children come too, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Gracious and heavenly Father, we come to acknowledge that we are utterly and completely dependent on your grace for every blessing. Also for the blessing of the covenant promises being made to our children, to us and to our children. Lord, we pray that by the power of the Spirit, this Word, will be a blessing to all. That it would encourage us to keep coming to the Lord Jesus as ones who have come before, to keep coming to Him, coming to Him empty, coming to Him not as, not bragging about our greatness as the disciples were so prone to do. Coming to Him with all our need just simply pleading, Lord, do as you have promised. Save me. Give me a heart that loves you and serves you. Cause me to walk in your ways. Show me your paths and search me and try me. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, the way of blessing, the way of fellowship with God. A God whom by nature is ag- we are against because of our sin. Oh Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his blessing, the little children, and the gospel account of it here in Matthew and also in the other gospels. Bless our little children. Bless our young people. Draw them to yourself. And bless also those covenant children who have walked away careless of what they received, careless of what was signed and sealed to them so long ago. That, Lord, you would cause their spirit to work in such a way that they would be convicted of their sin, that they would be drawn to Christ, that they would see in him everything that they need, full salvation, that they may come. That we might together, also as families, praise you for your covenant faithfulness. Lord, we know you are faithful also in all these matters, and we confess that it is at times we need to we, we struggle and we need to leave this all in your hands. Help us to do that. Help those parents who are struggling, those who are grieving. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing in closing from Psalter 308. Psalter 308, all the verses. Amen.